the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 210. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Brett Roberts. And I'm Sean Dring. Welcome along, guys. Great to have you here. Sweet ass. It's good to be here. Brett, now, um, for those that, uh, that don't know you, where do you fit into the technology and, and business world here in New Zealand? Oh, um, I've been in the technology and business world for a long, long time. Right now, I'm working at Callaghan Innovation. Great. Well, we might uh, we might ask you a little bit about Callaghan Innovation uh, later. It would be good to get a little bit of an update on uh, what Callaghan's up to. And uh, Sean? Um, I've been uh, moving zeros and ones around for the last 25-odd years, various different companies. Great. Well, uh, well, let's let's just let's jump in. And uh, first up, Pirate Bay taken offline. Mm. This yeah. is this is quite an interesting one because I mean, Pirate Bay's had a, a, a rather um, a checkered history, shall we say, <laughs> over the, over, uh, over over a pretty long time. And it seemed like Pirate Bay was uh, was something that was sort of never going to go anywhere. Um, but uh, then there it is. It's uh, you know they they've had um, they they were raided in terms of their uh, their data center and it's uh, it's taken them down. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Perfect brand though, isn't it? It's a great way to build something. If I was going to buy something, eh, it'd be quite a quite a nice little thing to to try and get a get hold of Pirate Bay. <laughs> PirateBay.com. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the whole um, it's like whack a mole. You, you have to. <laughs> Beat it down and it pops up again. It's like Silk Road, you know. I'm sure version three is up by now, and it, it, the authorities can try as hard as they might, but something will pop up, you know. And I think what I think is really interesting with the Pirate Bay thing is what's happened with them at the same time as all the emails are leaking out of Sony, and, and you're starting to get quite a clear picture around the collusion might be too harsh a word, but the the collaboration that goes on between some of those big content um, creators and mm. um, you know, and obviously they hate the, something like the Pirate Bay, and you can see how they're all kind of very keen to ensure that um, you know services like that don't thrive and survive. Well, I guess though, you know, the content creators would have seen Pirate Bay in a very similar site uh, as Mega Upload, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, although um, you know, it wasn't the same in terms of what it, you know the services that it provided, but um, it was the same in that it was a, a you know a tool that people could use in terms of accessing content that. Uh, otherwise, you might well have to yeah. pay for. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's just an ongoing battle. It'll just keep going on forever. You know, there'll be, and that's the thing with technology. It's just, it's so commoditized. It's so easy to get hold of. It's so easy to move vast. You know, site. You know, things like the Pirate Bay around the globe and mm. and light them up again. And and so it's just a constant battle that I don't think anyone's ever going to win or lose. It's, you know, it's almost like Spy versus Spy in the old Mad magazines. You know, every month they're still going at it. It'll be the same. Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly has has seemed to be that way for uh, for for a long time, and yeah, I guess it would take it would take something special to be able to stop it now, wouldn't it? Because there are they're just there there always seems to be a way to Genius get around out of the it. bottle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a it's a little bit like uh, you know, st- um, yeah, 
securing your uh, your technology from that sort of you know, hacking and, and a privacy perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can um, kind of do that. There are always new the, ways to sort of bust in, aren't there? Yeah, well, you can kind of do that with, in the business world, like if you use like the rights management technology within Microsoft and you can lock down like documents and spreadsheets and whatever and, and they've got that new service, the um, Active Directory Rights Management Service, or sorry, sorry, Azure Active Directory Rights Management Services. And um, you can basically get a certificate, um, encapsulate any kind of content. So you could actually say an AutoCAD document or a text file or an XML file or anything. And you can, uh, and, yeah, encapsulate that in a wrapper that encrypts it and has you use rights attached to it. So there's no reason why, you know, the movie studios couldn't do that with their own content. You do, yeah. I mean, I guess you do wonder why that type of technology isn't maybe more broadly Used and obviously there, you know, there are some complexities around using that type of technology. Yeah. Uh, and any time you add a layer of uh, security, it adds a layer of problem, right? Complexity, Inconvenience yeah. and yeah. complexity, and uh, yeah, so on. So there, you know, there's always a bit of a balance with they've that. They've tried but, everything, right? Um, I mean, you know, you had Sony putting rootkits on on DVDs, and they've they've had zoning on DVD players, they, they've tried all sorts of stuff and, the, and yeah. the reality is someone either circumvents it or it gets so annoying that people stop using it and, and I think that's the, that's the difficulty, you know, and there's it, it, con- content, that, that thing between content creation and content consumption um, is just going to be an ongoing battle forever, you know, but as far as I'm aware and I've, you know, I've seen a couple of studies, well there are a couple of studies out there that show that actually um, whilst obviously piracy of content is not a good thing, it doesn't um, economically harm the, the movie studios. In fact, I think there was one that said basically that those early adopters, the people that go and do pirate those things, are the ones that recommend to others that actually go and purchase them through legitimate channels. And so, mm. I don't know, I think it's far more complicated than just kind of theft in, in, in consumption. Yeah, and in fact, if you, if you look at it, um, you know, one of the, you know, we look at it from that music perspective, for instance, uh, and you, you talk to musicians and so on, um, you know, it seems much harder for them to make a living now than what it used to be maybe, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Mm. Um, but the issue isn't just the, the you know, so-called pirates, um, it's the Spotify's and so on of this world that have sort of, you know, forced some changes in the way that people, you know, pay for music. And if you're paying for your music through Spotify, you're paying, you know, radio type prices, but you're able to get the very specific content, uh, that you want. So therefore, why would you go out and buy the album yet? Uh, the artists are only getting sort of, you know, cents in the dollar compared yeah, to what they yeah. used to get. That's a real shame that because I mean most of the most of my favourite songs weren't actually the reason why I bought the album. If you know what I mean, I yeah. buy it for a, a you know so you hear something and you think oh that's quite good. You buy the album and you listen to it and you like that song for a while, but then you know, you listen to it a couple of weeks later and it's like, you know the track number five is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So you, you look, it's a real shame. iTunes was the thing that just changed that whole space, right? You know, all of a sudden there was a way that the artists could get their content in front of the consumers without record executives and you know, M&A people and all those people stuck somewhere in the middle of it. It just fundamentally changed the economics of the model. And it was interesting. I actually went and, um, for the first time in a long time, bought some CDs the other day because um, uh, I've got a Bluetooth-connected um, connected thing in my car, so I've still got a multi-CD player. Um, 
CDs now for latest albums are 20 bucks. Now, they used to be 40, mm. 35. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They've mm. gone down pretty much 50% in price, you know, and, and they're coming through the standard distribution channels, but those people have had to lower their price to compete with what Apple have done. They've completely put the piranha in the paddling pool in the music industry. And they're able to do that whilst selling less of them. Interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Well, we need to. Yeah. I guess there was that point when they flipped from, uh, you know, when they do the changes in media. So they went from, uh, was it the change from tape to CD? The prices went up. I think there yeah. was certainly, you know, uh, certainly that happened with going from VCR to, to DVD. Yeah. And, the, you know, the prices went up, which, I mean, there wasn't any real justification no. for it. It was a media type. Oh, we'll just bump the prices up by 50%. So it's nice that the reverse can. Can actually yeah, is. Yeah, uh, can time. can can happen uh, as long as it's not uh, you know totally to the detriment of the the yeah, artist, just, which yeah. is I guess the well, and that's why they're all uh, touring know, the, the, the flip side of it, and that, that's where that, the money comes from. Well, that's, it? that's why bands touring. tour now. That's why the Rolling Stones, you know, are still out there touring because that's where the serious money is. Mm, mm. Um, now on to uh, on to Skype. Now it was uh, earlier on in the year that uh, Microsoft demonstrated the uh, Skype translator. And uh, as of uh, as of this week, it's now possible to sign up. There's a little bit of a, a, a waiting list type uh, process, but you can uh, jump on board, and they're opening it up to the general public uh, to use St- Skype Translator. Um, this, to me, is is quite fascinating because it's the sort of thing that we've dreamt of technology yeah. being able to do. We've seen, you know, seen it. I don't know how many movies over, over the years where. Uh, you know, some technologies doing the translation, and um, looks like we're almost there. Yeah, yeah I, it's kind of crazy. I, when I saw the demo, I don't know, was it six months back? I mean, yeah, probably. I was gobsmacked. I mean, it's mm. just to, you know, and and so was the audience. I mean, but you could just see the people were just stunned at at it. And now you look at it, and it's almost oh, that's cool. You know, you know, we get blasé pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, yeah, we do. It's, it's just as the norm. Incredible. And yeah. and I see they're rolling out more languages pretty quickly as well. You know that. It's like, um, what was it, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the babblefish that That's stuck, you know, stuck yeah. in your head. They've yeah. done it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You live in amazing times. Are there going to be lots more things like this happening? Is it going to, is it going to slow down, do you think? No, I don't. I, I think you think about um, processing power is still, you know, Moore's Law is still in, in play. Um, the price of that stuff is just getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. You know, the capacity... Um, network speeds, all that sort of thing. Everything's lined up for that innovation to, just to keep going. You know why not? And and I think the other thing too that's really speeding up is is machine learning and you know algorithmic stuff. And and I think um, I remember seeing Gates years ago present at some internal Microsoft thing, and he said, you know, it's only when um, speech synthesis and or and um, speech to text gets to ninety nine point nine nine percent accuracy that it's going to be any good. Well, you know what? It's pretty much there, it's, yeah, it's and it's just pretty close, throwing it? lots of processing power at it and really mm. smart algorithms and, and all that stuff. It's just a layer cake. It just builds on top of the layer below it. You know. I remember when I was trying out speech recognition, oh, sorry, speech um, dictation and all that kind of stuff on, on Windows 7 and, um, and 8 as well, and you'd always get the, the ums and the ahs and all that kind of stuff. So it was quite hard to generate a, a full paragraph without having all this extra stuff in there. And That's the funny, that isn't it? But yeah. I guess as you get that machine get learning side, it, get, it gets smart enough to figure that out. And for the audience that can't see, Sean, you could probably explain why you why you were jumping on with speech recognition 
maybe ahead of most. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it, having one arm it makes me a pretty bad typist. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm still faster than a lot of people I know. But um, <laughs> but no, I, I like looking at these technologies and seeing how they can they, how they can help out. Like for instance, um, I mean, I just used Windows like everybody else, and then when I lost the arm. You know, simple things like sticky keys, you know, which is a, a thing that's been in the product forever. If you're not disabled, you don't know about it. But, you know, the sticky keys allows you to press the control, the alt and delete key. Um, and it'll basically hold each on just for a fraction. So you can press them all at one time. Sorry, all in, in, mm. in, in, in serial yeah. thing. And it's just fantastic. And, you know, double clicking the shift key holds it down. Same thing, double, double tapping the control key does it as well. And it just really helps out if you, if you're kind of struggling with, with stuff. But the speech recognition stuff in Windows is 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 pretty powerful. But you know you had to relearn how to say things. You had to make sure that there were no ums and ahs, and had to understand that it didn't really quite understand the context of things. So it would get stuck between things like with the New Zealand accent, like uh, pin and pen, yes, and yeah, tin yeah. and ten and stuff like that. And you would understand that you would you would understand the foibles of it, and then you could work around it. But those ums and ahs and the uh, you know those kind of things just really cause problems I, with it. I, I get, remember um, it must be I don't know ten fifteen years ago I was at this um, tech trade show and there was a guy there from Dragon Dictate demonstrating their product, which was one of the first products to market you know for the speech to text kind of thing. Um, and he was walking around with the headset on and it was it was quite a loud noisy environment. Um, and every time I've ever seen Dragon Dictate um, demo, there's always a, a, been a glitch with it. It's just one of those things. It might be me and. Um, Anyway, he walked up to these two people and, and he said to them in, in the way that he had to speak to it back then, um, I will show you, would you, would you like a quick demonstration? And it was, he had a big screen behind him, projected screen, and, and up on there in big letters that came up and said, would you like a quick penetration? <laughs> and, and ever since then, I've kind of been cagey around that stuff. But, you know, the, the tech, you know, like you're saying, now it's just built into Windows mm. and it will get better and it will get better. And, and I don't know if you've um, tried doing the um, speak to send a text message thing on a phone lately. Yeah, it's wow. amazing. That amazing is amazing. Stuff. And I guess what, we're, what we're seeing there is we're seeing the benefit of the advances outside just the CPU advance. It's, um, you know, our mobile networks and so on that we're able to then yeah, they're able to package up the voice that you that it records on your phone rather than getting all the processing done locally, push it up to the cloud. You've then got you know, as much you know power as they need to yeah. throw at it, and if they need to throw 10 computers at it to figure it out, that's what it'll do today. In another couple of years' time, it'll be half as many, and you know yeah. the software will get smarter, yeah. the processing gets, gets better. Um, but I guess it, it's, it's that cloud sort of computing uh, power that allows us to do that voice recognition and I guess the Skype translation stuff today but it's what's going to open up all sorts of other mm-hmm. things and yeah. machine learning that you talk about in the future. The, the machine it's all these pieces tied amazing. together, isn't it, that yeah. allows us yeah. to uh, to have the potential. And it's the, it's the commoditization and the democratization of it. So once upon a time, you know, having hundreds if not thousands of servers at your mercy for a one-hour job to crunch something and, and run some algorithm over it was, was the domain of scientists. And now if you've got a credit card, you can do it, mm. you know. Wow. It's, it's quite strange that like the, this technology is getting everywhere. So, for instance, um, I ride, still ride motorcycles, and um, it's, a frightening thought. <laughs> it's crazy one-handed. It's character building, but um, 
But well, I've, I've got an intercom, and on that intercom, I can control everything. So I can say um, FM radio or stereo music or um, call, you know, Ron or call whatever, and it will actually go through and start an intercom session or dial up somebody or whatever. And this is a $200 piece of kit yeah. that straps onto the side of the helmet. And the, the interesting thing is that the company are quite progressive. So, you know, you send them through ideas. So I was like, well, I want to use Google Go. So I can actually say, get, you know, speak to my phone and get me, give me directions on how to get to where I need to go. And let's leverage the computer power just by passing through the audio, which actually is in this, um, in this unit that I've got. And, you know, they're like, oh, this is a fantastic idea. Just chucked it up on a forum and you get a few votes, et cetera, and you never know. And the nice thing is, is that they're very progressive with doing their firmware upgrades as well. So, And I guess that's the way that technology is playing into business as well. You know, they they would probably pay somebody to have, in the past, pay somebody to have those sort of ideas. Now they can leverage their, their community, the bigger crowd that's utilizing it, take the best of that, you know, put it through a filter yep. and find out that, uh, oh, yeah, well, you know, Sean in New Zealand uh, suggested that. Uh, and then we put it up and, uh, you know, 1,500 people around the world uh, voted that up to number one. So, yep. uh, so let's do it. Whereas in the past, they might have thrown money at either the wrong feature. Um, they might not have heard about that feature until their competition heard about it and, yep. and they're a yep. year behind. Uh, I mean, it's just it's it's so quick and so different I now, heard, isn't it? I heard Gareth Morgan interviewed years ago, um, and someone asked him, uh, you know, because he'd invested pretty heavily, obviously, in, in Trade Me. Um, someone said, "What was the smartest feature or the best feature that they'd ever added to Trade Me?" And he said it was the user forums because they could, in the morning at nine o'clock in the morning, post up something and say, "Hey, here's three features we're thinking about building." And by about midday, they knew which one to go and build, and they went and built it, and they didn't build the two that no one wanted. It's pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Now, um, a piece of technology has just got uh, released. It's been uh, been floating around um, the last couple of days in the media. Eight terabyte uh, hard drives. That's nice. Uh, that's pretty. That's good. that's a pretty big capacity. I yeah. mean, we're used to these sort of things moving along. Hard disks lately don't seem to have moved, moved too much because there's quite a bit of, I guess, you know, physical limitations and science. They always keep inventing new ways to squeeze more into the same size disc but uh, you know it's always unknown when they're gonna when they're gonna hit the wall but um, that's quite an increase from even from what's common today isn't oh, it it's massive yeah I, I, the thing that I'm kind of hoping for is that they put a phone in it and then I can actually have an eight terabyte storage on my phone <laughs> <laughs> You can just put it in your pocket and use a USB cable. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Not quite as cool. Yeah. But, but I reckon the most thankless, I don't know, the, the worst job in, in the technology world would have to be being a hard drive salesperson. You know, could you imagine? It's just, oh, yeah, it's got faster, oh, yeah, and it's bigger, yeah. you know, than the last one. You know, would you like to buy this one? It's like, oh, good. You know. These things just sort of sell themselves, they, don't they? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you either need it or, or yep. you don't. But. I don't know, if you put the right sort of logo on it and do the right thing with it, <laughs> yeah. then, uh, you know, maybe someone will, uh, will, will buy it anyway. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think this is the second one to come to market, but the price we're hearing on it is around uh, the 260 US dollar market. Yeah. So it's, it's not a huge amount of money for you know, the sort of storage. And I, I remember going back a few years to the first computer I had that had a hard drive in it, and I think it was, uh, was maybe a 20 megabyte hard drive yeah. um so yeah just to uh, to have you know gone through from megabytes to gigabytes yeah. 
and now we're we're into terabytes and almost moving into the into the uh, double double digits is um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit just mind blowing. And if if that continues, if where we are today and things keep going on at that rate over the next uh, you know twenty thirty years, it's it's I mean it's it's impossible to fathom where we might be if a hard drive was not you know eight terabytes but you know eight million or eight billion terabytes yeah, a couple of petabytes oh, yeah it's um, going to happen it's going to happen yeah. the interesting thing about this drive though is that it's it's actual um, read speed is actually quite slow is it read and write so like 150 megabits it's actually quite slow so and it's not a hybrid one as well so you can't use yeah. a big cache on it or anything like that so it's fine for you know basically archiving bits and pieces it's great for that but you wouldn't put your operating system on it um you know if you all boot up off it really yeah. realistically it's going to be oh, that's, that's that. not that slow i mean it's a lot slower than an ssd but um it's still okay for a yeah for a hard still disk i would have thought i was um you could cope my 15 year old son uh, a few weeks back was looking at buying a four gig um ram module for a for a laptop right yeah. and and they're 100 bucks 110 bucks or something um the first piece of RAM, I was telling him the first piece of RAM, first piece of RAM I ever bought was a 16K upgrade for my 32K um, Sinclair Spectrum to take it to 48 because 48 was pretty cool. And I worked out that based on what I'd paid for that extra 16K, if the prices had stayed the same and not yeah. adjusting for inflation, the 4 gig module would have cost my son $30 million. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's how technology goes, right? Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Moore's law in it. Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It's just. It's. It's unimaginable where, where we might be if if yeah. this uh, continues. And I remember the well, the computer from Sinclair before that. Um, the ad. The add-on was probably a similar price, but it was it was one k. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was a thousand a thousand bytes. That's um, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the question is: Is that the time for the big hard drives over? I mean, I've just got a you know SSD drives on my laptops and stuff, and then I just use the net. Yeah. But, but I guess the hard drive is just moving from your own yeah. uh, systems to, 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 to sit into the cloud. But uh, as these sort of increases you know, keep continuing, hmm. uh, it allows what we've started to see this year, which is that uh, yeah, subscribe to some cloud service and they'll give you effectively unlimited yeah. uh, le- hmm. level of storage. There's and, two things happening. Yeah, really. on this, one is it? that the disks are moving up to the cloud and the other one is that the, uh, the spinning platters are vanishing and it's becoming yeah. solid state. Those are the two... Well, the yeah, way that um, Microsoft's is your platform, you can buy the premium machines now. So you've got your standard virtual machines and then it's premium. And the premiums have SSDs okay. uh, for their storage. Yeah. So you can actually, you know, if you're running a SQL server or something like that, you know, you can actually... It's becoming much more really common, isn't it, to be yeah. able to, to... But that solid-state storage, I mean, if you compared this 8-terabyte disk at $260 US to yeah, solid-state solid uh, storage, no moving parts, but it's, you know, basically a memory chip. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you're, you're talking yep. a, a, a big wad of, yep. uh, you know, cash. It's, um, what, probably 50 to 100 times as much. Oh, um, you know, um, that's that's not a correct calculation. Anyone that's listening and <laughs> is going to hold me to it, but it's going to be a whole lot more. Yep. So, uh, um, but, but those things keep improving too, right? So, yeah. Um, now, talking talking of uh, the cloud and linking things backwards and forwards uh, to the cloud, um, Chorus this week announced that uh, Omaru or Omaru, I can't pronounce this Omaru. right. Omaru. 
who's got the uh, the better uh, Maori than me? Um, but um, I'll call it Omaru because that's what it, that's what we called it. In, what, uh, you're going to get really really stuck when you have to do Wonga Momo. Nah? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we used to call it in uh, in a very white Canterbury as it was when I was growing up there. Um, they finished the uh, UFB rollout there, so we've now got uh, Whangarei and Te Awamutu and um, Omaru that have got the UFB rollout. So nice. if you're in one of those places and you're listening, you're in one of the nicest places to be in New Zealand from an internet perspective, um, other than uh, other than Dunedin, uh, which although the UFB hasn't rolled out, they're uh, just a few months off getting... Uh, uh, becoming the gigatown with their uh, gigabit USB, yeah. which yeah. will be rather nice. Um, and we just uh, heard actually this week from uh, from Spark, they've jumped on the bandwagon. So we're now sort of seeing we've got a good uh, bunch of uh, internet providers who are offering really incredible plans. So mm. if you are based in Dunedin and you're wondering about this whole you know, gigabit UFB or gigatown thing, um, it's actually really affordable. Yeah. Uh, the plan from uh, Spark, I think, comes in around um, $99 uh, for uh, consumers, and it's um, it's not a whole bunch more, actually, for, uh, for business customers as well, which is interesting because at this stage, Spark don't offer an unlimited U- ultra-fast broadband yeah. plan to businesses, hmm. but in Dunedin, they will be. And they've they've announced that uh, that plan, and uh, it looks very good. So um, yeah, anyone that's um, that's down there, if you're in one of the zones that's already got uh, UFB, then uh, hey, you're uh, you're extremely lucky. Um, but I guess the UFB rollout will uh, will keep going, and I'm I'm sure they're going to get slightly higher uptake than probably the rest of the country for uh, yeah, but just actually, just a, a UFB. How many? I'm I'm running on fiber. You got fiber? No, it's still place? on. It's a oh. copper. So I've got it. I've got it here where yeah. we're recording, yeah. uh, but I don't have it uh, where I'm. I'm living now. I did live, move into a, a UFB zone for a while just to you know to to try it out. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty pleasing experience, and it's quite hard to go back. And I yeah. wonder um, by the time you know UFB comes to to yeah my suburb uh, and my house in particular. Yeah. Um, how uh, yeah? How desperate I'll be before it because <laughs> you know we we're used to all these things speeding up and getting better and better, um, but yeah, probably until the UFB comes, I'm not going to see a whole lot of uh, yeah performance gain yet. Yeah, I'll be wanting to watch 4K video content and uh, and so on, which is is going to be uh, you know filling up my uh, VDSL connection. Uh, um, you know, one stream would would fill the whole thing up. So. Yeah. Well, well the, by the time you've actually got it, the whole net neutrality kind of thing will probably be done and dusted. So, somebody will, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there could be there could be some challenges there. Yeah. Um, and interesting, there's been some you know news around um, what's happening in Australia with their um, uh, rollout of um, of faster broadband, and uh, the government's gone and spent eleven billion dollars on uh, on buying the existing assets. Uh, off um, off Telstra, so the the old copper network, and they've got a, uh, a hybrid um, fiber cable uh, network as well. Okay. There's Which, a lot of interesting stuff happening still on the copper side of things, right? So there's, um, there's something I was reading on the Reddit technology subreddit, I think, um, just in the last week or two, talking about some company in Europe, I think, managing to shove, is it a 
gigabit a second down standard copper? Like yeah, there's some pretty speeds. impressive speeds that can be done on copper as long as you're you're you Within know very certain, very, very yep. close. And, and so I guess I mean my only the only thing I can think is that this is what uh, Australia is relying on because they're not. You know they've decided not to put fibre right to the home, and so they're they're doing a network similar to what Telecom finished here. What about 2011, yep. um, which is fibre out to your you know your roadside cabinets, and then you know running copper from there, well, there just, to the house. Google have just acquired a company in the states quite quietly that um, there wasn't a lot of hoopla around it. That apparently have got technology that'll give you gigabit, in fact more than gigabit over wireless. For I think they said a mile, which so the whole idea is that you'd you know you'd have some sort of antenna on those boxes, and everyone's houses would just have a, some sort of wireless device, and which could speed that whole adoption thing up incredibly. Mm, mm. So I could imagine if I was a Spark, if I was the chief executive of Spark, I'd be really thinking about whether I want to bury lots of fibre to all those individual houses, or have a look at some of those technologies. Well, I mean, if there, you know, if, I think if there were, or, yeah, if there is, if there is a better course. way of doing it, then it, it's something that'll. Uh, that's going to yeah keep being watched. I would yeah. uh, I would think, but it, I, I guess the nice thing about fibre is you you know that um, yeah once it's in, you can keep changing the technology that drives it and just go faster and faster yeah. and faster. So um, yeah, like our hard drive sizes have grown, you don't have to change that sort of you know core physical piece. You can just push more and more data over it. So in, in theory, in fifty years' time, it's it's still going to be good yeah. enough. Let's let's hope so anyway. Um, I've got this funny thing about a gigabit going over copper wire. I keep on thinking of a toaster for some reason and the elements inside the toaster. <laughs> it glowing, yeah, glowing yeah, red. Yeah. So you're downloading a movie and you're making some toaster, you know, just heating it off the wall as well. Oh, that's good. Hey, I've got the, uh, so the numbers from, uh, from Spark, their gigaplant, their, what they're calling their gigatown plans for, uh, um, lucky ones in Dunedin. Uh, yeah, it's $99 for their, Unlimited naked broadband, so without a home phone line, add $20 on if you want a phone line. Uh, their plans are $20 cheaper if you don't want unlimited, so they've got an 80 gig plan. And then for uh, $189 a month is their unlimited uh, business plan, uh, which includes a phone line and um, I think by the looks of it, unlimited domestic calling as well. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that looks pretty. Uh, Pretty impressive, isn't Pretty it? Pretty reasonable. You don't need to traffic um, shake that when you've got those sort of capacities. You don't need to. Well, I'm sure there'll be a caveat in there in tiny two point text well, that they, they, they reserve the right to. But yeah, well, I mean, the, 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 yeah, the challenge comes in if if people are using all that bandwidth, yeah. and how do you push that out uh, internationally and so on? It's yeah, um, yeah you you've got to be buying a, a, a fair chunk. So I, I'm I would be curious to know the. Um, you know the the business discussions that have gone on within the organisations that have decided to jump on with Gigatown because there is looks like a fair degree of sort of subsidy uh, to you know to help customers out in that uh, uh, in Dunedin so that they can actually take advantage of the, the gigabit connections uh, because yeah these these plans are uh, are pretty uh, are pretty impressive but I guess from the telco's perspective. They don't want to be losing that customer yep, base when exactly. uh, when when gigabit is a standard everywhere, which mm. um, presumably it, it it will be it will nationwide be. within yep. uh, yeah 
not very long. I don't want to hazard a guess because I'll get it wrong. Um, but all, already we've got uh, lunchtime tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, now a couple of other uh, couple of other topics to uh, to to run through. Um, we heard KiwiCon uh, last week, which happens every year in, in Wellington, a, a sort of hacking event, and uh, it's always fascinating what comes out of KiwiCon. Uh, and uh, we hear there that they've. Um, uh, one one of the uh, one of the speakers there uh, presented on how to uh, hack your um, your anklet if you're um, uh, if you yeah if you're on home detention and uh, Department of Corrections have uh, got one of these things on you that uh, there's a way to trick it as to where you are. Yeah. Is this a big surprise? No, um, <laughs> not not really. But I mean, there's there's lots of other things that are going on there as well. I mean, like for instance, um, like the newer technology, they have RF in there as well. So you know, you have to be if it loses connection, even with the radio frequency, say for instance, within the house, um, which of course what what just happened when you actually you know wrap it in foil or whatever, yep. um, that triggers an alert, and you know, and and things happen. So. Um, it might be something. I mean, they've been talking about disabling these things since yeah. 2010 by mm. using foil to do it. So, you know, there's there's all sorts of things like it, it, it uses secure communication if, it, if if it's using GPRS and all that kind of stuff. You know, to c- communicate what's going on, and you've got the base units that are intelligent and all that other kind of stuff. So it might be a. You wouldn't think it'd be. T- it would take them too much to actually you know fix this particular issue when you know when you read about you know. How it operates currently, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's that moving target, and you know, realistically, you know, it, it's something that can be circumvented now. Um, but if you know, for high value prisoners, I'm pretty sure there's other processes <laughs> in place to make sure that they don't go too far. Yeah. But, but for now, um, the 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 the, um, the guy concerned, um, uh, William Turner. Um, he is saying that yeah, you can uh, mimic the, uh, the the signal after you've uh, wrapped it in four with uh, laptop and uh, five hundred dollar transmitter and a bit of uh, bit of software and away you go. So he'll probably be getting a few uh, few orders if he's uh, <laughs> yes, that way inclined. I remember uh, I, I did actually have a friend once who was on home detention that it was quite funny because it was he was basically told that he couldn't you know this is you weren't allowed to leave the house or go within three meters of the house or whatever. And it was quite funny because there was no way of knowing yeah. that. So we never from, from the technology. There was no alarm they, that says, "Oh, you're getting close to the boundaries." <laughs> right. Think. And yeah. Everybody likes to push the boundaries, right? Step so away it'd be from nice if you if you had a little LED on the on the little <laughs> ankle bracelet. They'd say, "You look okay." You know, you got three. You got three lights. You know, no, you red, amber, green. Sound. Red is when you're right on the edge of it. But um, yeah, it'd be like, oh, okay, hell, oh, the police are coming over. Yeah, well, you would, you would want to sort of test that out a little bit, wouldn't you? You couldn't help it. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Um, now, this one I picked up a couple of weeks ago, uh, a week or two back, um, but I thought we should, we should mention it in, ca- in case the word hasn't got out. Um, for those, uh, Linux fans, there's, um, the linux.conf.au is, uh, is landing in Auckland, uh, very soon, January, uh, 12th to the 16th. And uh, the speaker that jumped out at me on their list was um, Linus Torvalds. Specialist topic, bullying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that could be a a bit of fun if you're you're into Linux and want to sort of hear from the godfather. How about you, Brett? Is that your sort of space? I might fire up Netflix and 
watch a movie or something that time. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, it would be interesting. I mean, one of the things I really love about the open source community is they're really passionate. You oh. know, they're incredibly passionate about their technology, and I think I'd, I'd love to be a fly on a wall at some of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I think um, what Linus Torvalds has done um, for the you know technology sector is just incredible. I'm not sure I admire him as a person, but mm-hmm. as a as an influence, I think he's just been amazing. So I think it'd be quite interesting just to, I wouldn't have half an idea about some of the stuff they probably talk about, but I think it'd be interesting just to be that fly on the wall. You going, Sean? Uh, I won't be popping along there, but I'll be keeping an eye on the news. I'm sure you'll be interviewing him somewhere, somewhere along the line, wouldn't you? Doing um, a section on TV3 or something similar to that? You don't yeah. wind him up, okay? I'm I'm <laughs> out of the Oh, no, I'll be back. I'm coming back. I'll be in coming back in New Zealand to sort of, a similar, um, a similar time to uh, to win the conferences. So yeah, oh, maybe, maybe around next will be interesting. Um, and I presented at a couple of Linux conferences when I worked at Microsoft. That was always fun. It was good. They ask good questions. Yeah, hard ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're going to hear tomorrow. I think there's a uh, there's a media event coming up um, very shortly. I believe between uh, Spark and Vodafone. So. That will be interesting to hear what they announce. But um, are they are they talking together, or are they basically two events at the same time? Um, I have only just I haven't actually read all of the uh, what have we got? Um, so what we've got is um, New Zealand's Connected Future is the name of the event, and it includes uh, um, Spark um, MD. Simon Muta and uh, Vodafone CEO Russell Stanners. And, uh, yeah, it's the first time I've received an invite from Vodafone to an event at Spark's premises, at Spark City. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so, and the other logo that's on there, because there was some speculation, um, and this is the bit that probably clinches that it, it, it definitely must be to do with the... Uh, undersea cable between New Zealand and Australia uh, is there's a Telstra logo on the uh, on there as well so okay. we will no doubt tomorrow hear the um, hear the details around uh, exactly what's happening about putting another uh, um, you know chunk of, uh, of fiber optic cables between uh, between New Zealand and Australia and this will augment what we have today with the Southern Cross cable because there's so. been a couple of stabs at it isn't there there was some um... yeah and I mean the but this one has been in discussion for some time. We've been told it was going to happen, but we've just been a little bit of a wait on on filling out the uh, info. So it looks like this one this one's a go. Otherwise, I don't think they'd be holding an event to say they, like others, were not going to go yeah. ahead and do anything. <laughs> Particularly the you know head honchos of both organisations. Yeah, that's um, a biggie. Oh, maybe they're just going to say, look, this whole telco thing's just got too hard, and we don't want to do it anymore. And and. It's not as much fun. Yeah, there's mm. not a Subway mm. logo on there either, so they're making a sandwich <laughs> or something, aren't they? <laughs> so, yeah, so I think there'll be some uh, positive news there. And um, look, Brett, before we wrap up, I, I, you know, I'm curious, and I'm sure some of the listeners are, um, to hear just a little bit about what Can- Callahan Innovation um, is up to, what okay. Callahan's been sort of set up to do, and yep. uh, yeah, what, what's happening at Callahan. So Callahan Innovation's a relatively young organisation, was set up uh, in 2013, named after Sir Paul Callahan, the late Sir Paul Callahan, um, and it's 
basic um, reason for existence is to accelerate the commercialization of technology. That's what it's there to do. So um, Kiwis are pretty darn good at coming up with ideas. We're not necessarily as good at commercializing them. Um, so Callaghan Innovation is kind of a link between government and um, the, the commercial world, the, the business world, the innovation world, um, trying to provide resources required to um, help that acceleration happen. Uh, there's a variety of uh, things that Callaghan Innovation can provide. There is some uh, funding available, certain types of grants for um, getting things up and running more quickly or um, um, getting more R&D, research and development uh, happening. Uh, they run um, a lot of uh, seminars um, uh, teaching people various methodologies, lean and uh, other things like that. Uh, they've just had a guy by the name of Tony Sieber in the country running some workshops around uh, disruptive technology. I spent two days in one of those workshops and it's the most mind-expanding thing I've ever been involved in in 20-something years in the technology sector. It's just incredible. Wow. Um, they have a team of people that um, look for global experts. So if you're in, uh, in a line of business and you need to find a certain thing or a, a certain person who's, a, who's an expert in, in something anywhere on the planet, they will help you do that. It's a free service. Um, uh, so, and they also, if you need a research scientist, if you literally need to have someone help um, you with your R and D, um, they have resources around that, and they also run some quite uh, smart programs around getting um, PhD level students working on R and D in organisations. And so, um, I, I think the organisation is around about three, four hundred uh, people in size. Might be, oh, sorry, might be about five hundred. Uh, including all the science kind of people. Mm. Um, I'm The role I'm in there is um, I'm a um, business innovation advisor. There's, I think, probably 15, 20 of us around the country, uh, all people that have got a lot of technology background in various technologies, not just this type of technology, but food and materials and advanced materials and things like that. Uh, and the, the idea of that role is to get out there and work with clients in the business community and help them take their ideas and accelerate them and, and commercialize them. And it's an amazing place to work. I mean, it's quite interesting. You can imagine being the interface between the commercial innovative world and government can be um, a little bit frictional at times. And I oh, think, yeah. And I'm pleased I don't get to see much of that friction. But an amazing team of people. I mean, I've never worked with such smart people. And um, uh, and, and really, the, the neat thing is um, everyone's there to, to make NZ better, which is really cool. So there's a real... Um, overarching vision around, you know, this is the thing we need to do to get New Zealand off its reliance on Fonterra, basically, you know, and and really make our mark in the world. And um, and there's some great progress already being made, and it is, the, you know, the organisation isn't even two years old yet. So. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? It, se- it seems like a, um, you know, a really smart idea. And, yeah, well, the numbers I was reading, yeah, 400 researchers, scientists, engineers, yeah. technologists, business gurus, yeah. and so on. Um, you know, all working there for the the betterment of New Zealand, and uh, yeah, presumably some of this has got to got to deliver some pretty good uh, well, results over, I mean, the, over the years ahead. This is this is my fifth week with the organisation, so I'm not I'm still the newbie. Um, but it's been interesting, just the stuff that I've seen so far. Some of the clients I've been out and visited, um, people doing really world leading stuff. I went and talked to a, a company over uh, the North Shore yesterday who are uh, developing a, a piece of software um, that. It is amazing. There's some incredible encryption involved in it. Um, it's a business service, something, and it's something that if the service had been available when I was in my last role as CEO of Cucumber down in Tauranga, I, we would have signed up for it in an instant. 
Um, and these guys are building it. They're making really good progress. Um, you know, and, and I've seen a half a dozen companies like that just in my, you know, four or five weeks with the organization. Now there's some really smart people in this country doing some really smart stuff. And I think connecting the dots, um, a, a little bit, um, more efficiently and, and lining up funding and resources and people and channels to market. There's a lot of good, um, close liaison between Callan Innovation and NZTE. Um, and so getting all those dots lined up within government as well is making a real difference. And I think, you know, the results are starting to get posted now. And I think, um, you know, everyone's pretty confident about where it's heading. So, yeah, having, having a ball, doing yeah. a lot of good stuff. Oh, that's pretty, pretty, cool. pretty pleasing to hear about. Yeah. We'll certainly look forward to uh, to hearing more uh, in, the, in the future. And, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be more that can sort of be shared publicly around some of these, these stories uh, yeah, you know, over time. I guess a lot happens sort of behind closed doors and, and, and so on in the early stages. And a lot of it's commercially sensitive, but, mm. but there are things already that have been announced. You just have to go and Google some of the announcements from Stephen Joyce's office and um, you can see some of the things where those investments are going. And, uh, yeah, that, there are some <laughs> wickedly cool stuff being built right here in little old NZ. Excellent. Oh, well, it's, it's, um, it's always rather satisfying when uh, you see government getting stuff uh, stuff right, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, I mean, um, I sent someone an email, being graceful the other day, an email saying, hello, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. I've always wanted to say that. So, this is my first government job. Yeah. Um, and, and how to Ben respond. <laughs> actually, he said he'd meet with me, so I must have done something right. But, um, but, but what's interesting is all of the people that I work in the, with and the team I'm in, are all com- very commercially savvy people. So, yeah. so they are, they run companies, they've built companies up, um, you know, and some of them are name brand businesses. These are people that actually, you know, intrinsically get how to build and run a business and the challenges of that. Um, and then being able to, to liaise with government and effectively a lot of the time tell government how it needs to be and act in order to be of value to the, the commercial world, I think is, is a real, Spinning things around, and John Key's and the government talk, needs to hear that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And John mm. Key's talked at length. You know, I mean, you know, since since the first term in government, around the government needing to be citizen centric, and and you know, I the the way I see Kellen Innovation, it's it's being business centric, it's making government business centric, and you know, yeah, there's the occasional glitch, and at times, you know, you scratch below the surface, and it still looks, you know, the government's in there somewhere, yeah. but but it's a really cool organisation, and it really has joined. It's almost like dropping a gear into the innovation ecosystem in New Zealand that just got everything else to mesh. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the, the future looks really bright. Great. All right. Well, um, thank you both for joining me here. Thank you for having me. Now, Brett, where do we find you on uh, online if we want to track you down? You're on Twitter? Oh, oh yeah, Twitter. I'm um, at Brett Roberts and I'm on LinkedIn. And, yeah, those are probably two good places to find me. Excellent. And Sean? Um, yeah, I'm a Loaded Question on Twitter. <laughs> That's my, that's my thing on there. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, so just the place way to get hold of me. That's good. And you can find me at Paul Spain on uh, on Twitter. And uh, for more podcasts that you might find interesting, check out podcasts.co.nz uh, for a few of our other podcasts, including the uh, recently launched uh, New Zealand Motoring Podcast. And there's a new episode of that uh, due out very soon, I believe. All right. Thanks for listening. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications. Data networks built for business.